Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come fill us as you did with the disciples. We do not need to ask for this to happen again because it happened. But we many times, as we said earlier in this service, prevent you from working in us because we fill our lives with things that is not godly, not focused on you. But we come to church on Sunday because we know, Lord, this is the place where we are helped to reconsider the way that we are living our lives, to get our priorities straightened out, to think about the place of God and the place of this world as we deal, deal with life and its challenges. We ask, O oh Spirit, that you will come and help us as we think about our life to do it in a biblical way, in a godly way. We ask, O oh Spirit, that you will provide for us not only wisdom in how to live, but also provide for us the comfort that you know we need, that we can deal with the world that we are living in. Thank you for the word that we have today, written many years ago. And we know, Lord, that you, through your Spirit, inspired the writers to write this down. That same Spirit is with us, and O oh Spirit, help us to then discover in these words the truth that you want us to know about the kingdom of God and God himself. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen. It happens all over. It happens in airports. It happens on planes. It happens at huge sporting events. It happens in the street. Sometimes it happens privately. Many times it happens publicly. A guy falling on his knee and then asking that big question, will you marry me? The big proposal. And then this lady that he's been dating probably for a while then looks at him and then she needs to answer, yes, I will marry you. And then there's the tear and there's all of these things that happens. And then there is the most important thing that happens with this proposal. Then there is the ring. And what happens in this moment when he hands this lady the ring? He says to her, we are going to be in it together. You are not going to be alone anymore. I'm not going to be alone anymore because together as a team, we are going to face the next things that will lie in front of us. And guess what's the next thing? The wedding. Yeah, yeah. And that's normally why I do the uh, talk about conflict uh, management just before the wedding with couples because, you know, that's the next big thing. All the stress. Yeah. yeah. As this boy asked his dad, how much does a... Uh, how much does it cost to get married? And his dad says, I've got no clue. I'm still paying. Yeah, yeah you'll get it. Yeah. But the proposal. And then the ring. And then when she leaves that spot, after she received the ring from this guy, she shows it to her friends. And they all, oh, and ooh. And there's a tear and there's a laughter and a smile. And they oh, look at the ring. And the attitude is different. You look at your days differently because I'm now engaged. There's this new thing that's lying ahead for me and someone else in my life. In the story I'm going to read today, you will find some of this, a promise and a symbol. And let's go and discover this in the book of Joshua. So we are now in chapter 3 of, of the book of Joshua. At the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levit Levitical priests, 
Then you shall set out from your place. Follow it so that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Do not come nearer to it. To the priest Joshua said, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on in front of the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near, hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that among you is the living God who without fail will drive out from you before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. All of these sites, you know. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand like a single heap. I wish I could see this. The water, just like a rock, just lying there. It's the second time that the Lord has provided for His people to move on dry foot through an area that was supposed to be covered by water. Israel, ready to move into the promised land. They are where God always wanted them to be. Many, many years before, like 600 years before, God gave a promise to Abraham. I said, Abraham, I'm going to give you and your offspring a place where you guys can live. A place where I, as God, will exalt you and your offspring, but especially my name. There's going to be a place where I will show my acts that the world may know that I am God. For 450 years, the Israelites were stuck in Egypt. It seems as if this whole promise just went dead. Nothing is going on. And then the Lord came and He brought these people out of Egypt and He took them on a 40-year journey through the wilderness and now they are at this place where they can now enter the place that God wanted them to be. A place that had way more to do with God than with the Israelites. They had no clue when, Abram, when the Lord said to Abram, I'll take you where you have not yet been. They had no clue where they were going, Abram and his, and his offspring at that point. Why is this place so important? Because this place is like an arcade. An arcade where the people from the south that wants to go to the north and the north to the south had to pass through because it's the only place where there's water. It's like an arcade for some of the people that came from the east that wants to go to the west to pass, pass through because that's the only place where there's water. On the east side of Israel, desert. There's nothing. There's nothing. An arcade. So as people come and they travel through the land of Israel, they can hear about the stories that the people will tell, and the stories had to do with God. So the Israelites are here not because of who they are. They are here because of who God is. God brought them to this place because God is not done yet with His work in this, in this world. And God wants the people to know who He is. Why will God want to hide from us? Why will God want to, want to keep His person secret? That's not what God wants to do, but sin makes 
God invisible to us, because the Bible tells me we can't see God and be alive because of who we are. So God needs to use all kinds of different things to show His face and His presence to people. In the book of Hebrews, it says God spoke in the old days through prophets and priests and all of these things, and then through Jesus Christ. But God uses creation, the creation story. And God uses the story of Israel that people may know that He's a very special and personal God. But there's some uncertainty. They are on the east side of the Jordan. They need to go to the west side. That's now where the nation is that they need to go and conquer so they can live there. I many times wondered, why didn't God just lift Israel up on a cloud and move them from Egypt to the promised land and dump them there? Why didn't we have a 1,500 B.C. COVID that could spread to the land of, 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 of Israel and then all the people would just slowly pass away and when the Israelites came in, they are all dead and the bodies are gone and they just have this land. That's not how God works. They had to walk for 40 years, camp a lot. They did a lot of camping. They didn't walk for 40 years. They, they walked a little bit and camped a long time. Then they walked a little bit and camped a long time. But they had to journey because God takes us on a journey, isn't it? And not always an easy journey. And then God brings us to these transitions where there's now the next thing. And the next thing is sometimes extremely uncertain because they were not really sure what is waiting for them on the other end. The spies went out. We heard about the spies last week, and they came back, and they just told the people, these are great people that live here. How can we really face them? And in the midst of this uncertainty, God comes to Joshua, and he says, bring the box. And I say this with respect. Bring a box. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was invisible to the people. The Ark of the Covenant was kept in the tabernacle in the most holiest place. But it's just a box, a box like this big and probably that long, like three, three feet by two feet, uh, by maybe two and a half feet. What was inside? The two tablets that Moses got when he went up Mount Sinai. The, the, the law was written on stone that was in the box. The staff of Aaron. At some point, you can go and read the story. There was this issue, and the Lord says, you want to make, you want to know I'm God? And the staff of Aaron started to bloom. That's also in this box. And then a small vessel with manna in it. Manna that they still got every morning when they woke up. They could go around to pick up manna. That's how the Lord provided for them from the beginning. Later on, quails, but in the beginning, manna. So this little vessel of manna is inside. And these three items tells us the story of God's involvement in the lives of these people, directing them through their obedience, but also providing for them in abundance, in growth, and also then in, in food. But God says to Aaron, to Joshua, bring the box. And what this box looked like, was it was covered with gold, like you can see there a little bit, and then two, two, two seraphim, angels, outstretched wings, sort of peeking over the, 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 the lid of this box. The Ark of the Covenant. Just an object, but way more than an object because that object was representing the presence of God in the midst of these people. When they saw this object, they knew, but God is here and inside there is symbols of His promises and His provision and everything that God tells us that He wants to do for us because it's so easy to forget this. 
It's so easy when life really gets difficult and hard to forget the presence of God and His provision. To start to feel alone again. To start to feel you're on your own again. And then the show falls. And the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark rest in the waters. The waters of the Jordan will stop flowing and will stand in a heap. Time and time again, as we page through the Bible, we will find that God uses nature in many ways to show His strength and His power. Not always in a positive way. Sometimes in a storm that's destroying and destructive, God is showing His power. You see, in some way, shape, or form, God always needs to tell this world that He's God, that He has control over everything. And God can't always allow people to just do whatever they want without expecting some reprimand for him, for him. But here the miracle is an extremely positive one in the sense that the water lies on a heap. They can go through and it's a strange kind of thing that's happening here because God wants them to know through what happened there, I'm here with you guys. It's not about the box, it's about me. Fast forward 1,500 years. There's a new uncertainty. There's a new uncertainty. I'm going to read you the story real quick. Thomas said to him, that's to, to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No, one's, no one comes to the Father except through me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In the day of Pentecost had come, Acts, they were all together in one place. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in the other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Acts 2. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men, both men and women in those days, I'll pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mists. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone will call on the name of the Lord, and they will, and they shall be saved. A new transition for the disciples. A next step for them. You see, they followed Jesus, and they had this, this, this idea that he will always be with them, and he will stand next to them and provide for them whatever they needed. He made bread. Uh, he turned water into wine. Fantastic. All of these things. And now he's leaving. Alone. That's the fear of people, isn't it? It's this thing to be alone. To be by yourself and sometimes to be without a leader that can tell you who you are and what you need to do. That was their fear more than anything else. Then the Lord comes and he says, I will never leave you alone. You need to know this. Now I'm not going to give you a box like the Ark of the Covenant was still in the temple. He says, it's not about that anymore. It's now about a new symbol. No, a new person. 
I'm going to give the Holy Spirit to all of you that all of you will know on a daily basis that the only holy living God is with you. And then when the Holy Spirit was poured out, a miracle. The flames and the fire and the earthquake and all these things that happened to remind the people, but, but God is here. God is, God is with us. Our next steps. I think all of us have these transitions in our life, lives. And many of those. You think your life is going to be okay and then suddenly something happens that stops you for a moment. You sit with your doctor and he or she looks at you and says the results aren't that good. And when you drive home, your life is different. Suddenly the trees and the streets, everything looks a little bit different. You receive a call from a friend or a family member or someone else that's close to you that also got really bad news and suddenly it's different. Uh, there's something that happens with your business or with your career or with your children or whatever and, and everything is a little bit different. And every time when these things happen, there's a sense of loneliness that falls upon people. Because all of us, when we face these transitions, when we have these things lying ahead of us that we do not know how to deal with, sort of feel, how can I do this? Even though I'm married and I've got children, all the people around me, there's the sense of loneliness. But today I want you to know that if you are in God's hand and you believe in Jesus Christ with all your heart, your life is never your own. God is bringing you to places and spaces where He wants you to be. God takes all of us on a journey that's not always the easiest one or the finest one or the best one for us, but it's always the best for God's kingdom. God leads us sometimes in the wilderness, and we struggle in the wilderness, and we get to the promised land, and we think, okay, this is now over, and then we stand there and say, but what now? Look at the enemy on the other side. When will this end? And these are the moments that God comes to us and He says, you are not alone. And how does He do it? He does it through the Holy Spirit that's in us. So if you seek God's face and you seek His will and you pray and you pray and you pray, I promise you in some way, shape or form, the Lord will answer. He will do that. He does it by you and me coming to church and we see what's on this table here because these are elements. That's only bread and wine and grape juice that we have here. But to me and to you, it's way more than that. It's a symbol and a sign of God's promise and God's presence in our lives. Because God wants us to know that He's with us. And that's why the Holy Spirit came. Seek, and you will find. Last Monday, Memorial Monday morning, I went for my run. First time after we came from South Africa with Louisa's mom's de death. I run and I pray for you guys. And I pray for people specifically. I've got a tree on my trail that I pray for people that needs prayer. Then I start to think about my sermon because I need to preach on Sunday. And I'm struggling with an introduction because I've read everything. I now need to think, Lord, what will be a good introduction for the story of Joshua and the Holy Spirit? And I had this idea. It's a proposal. But just a little bit before that, I had a difficult chat with the Lord about Eli. Uh, my 
grandchild who's still in the hospital and the results aren't as great as we hoped it would be. His lungs are not developing how it should. So we are very concerned about this little baby. And I, I said to the Lord, I, I don't understand this thing. Why, why does he struggle so much? Can't he just breathe that he can come home? And then I had this whole conversation about my sermon and the proposal. The Lord is funny with respect. I made my turn at Publix on Iwasi Road. I ran 50 yards. Next to the sidewalk, for the first time in 22 years, I've been on that trail. Guess what's lying there? A ring. A baby child ring. I think it's an Elsa type ring. Plastic, stupid little ring. I stopped when I saw this thing just lying not right next to the sidewalk. I've just said in my head, I said, a ring that's part of the symbol, and there's a ring, ring lying next to the sidewalk. Some people may say, Ferdy, oh, that's a coincidence. To me, it's not. That's why I'm telling you the story. Because I believe with my heart, as much as I stand in front of you, the only holy living God gave me something, a stupid little ring next to the sidewalk, to say to me, I've got it. I've got Eli. I've got you. I've got the church. I've got Louise with her mom that just died, and we, yesterday we had the funeral online and whatever. I've got it. And I was just reminded, I had a tear in my eye when this happened. I thought, Philly, this is stupid. Will the congregation believe you? Believe me, it happened. I will not lie to you. I don't lie. And I said to myself, 22 years, never a thing like this. Golf balls. Oh, I've got a bag full of golf balls that I picked up. Because there's a golf course right next to my trail. But never a ring. Except on the day that it's part of my sermon about God's promise that I'm with you, whatever happens. My final slide. They had a tabernacle. They had the temple and the Ark of the Covenant. Then the Holy Spirit came, and the temple was still standing there until 70 AD, when the temple was totally destroyed by the, by the Romans. What I want to challenge you today is if you feel that loneliness when you are facing these transitions in your life, remind yourself you don't have a box, you've got a Bible. <laughs> this book contains all the promises and all the stories of God. In that box, they had the ark, uh, they, they, in, the, in the ark, uh, in, in, yeah, in the covenant, they had the two tablets, they had Aaron's staff, and they had the manna. Do you know how much more we have in this book? How much more stories and promises we have in this book? When you're lonely, when you look at this transition, when you face the unknown that seems sometimes daunting, read this book. Open your eye and maybe in a bird, in a cloud, in a stupid thing next to the road, maybe a sign, God will say, I've got it. Because he wants to do it because he's alive. Amen.